Hi and welcome. Welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. 2020 has been long, people. It's been a long year, right? And I'm so glad we're now in a season of rest, season of reflection, season of being rejuvenated. I honestly could not think of a better guest to have on today during this season, during this time, than Jenny Harlan Khan. Who is Jenny? She's an amazing lady who helps high-performing and high-achieving CEOs achieve peace of mind, connection, inspiration, and find purpose. And honestly, during the recording, I had been quite stressed and it'd been a very busy season, but I really left that recording at peace, at calm, at ease, connected, seen. And I hope and pray that you leave this episode the same. And not just that, that you're inspired to live a life that's full of meaning, that is more, more than just beasting it, more than seeking accolades, and where you find true fulfillment. So enjoy. Hi, Jenny. It's so awesome to have you today. Welcome to The Connected Generation. How are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Amazing. I'm excited as well. Can you just tell us more about your story, your journey? Um, I know today you help high-achieving CEOs and entrepreneurs achieve fulfillment. How did you get here? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. And actually... um, it's one that I've recently, well, I say recently, probably only in the last couple of years, really realized how I got here. Um, it was quite unconscious. Um, so way back, I'm going to show my age, but way back in my 20s. Um, <laughs> Five years when, ago? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> plus 20. Um, I, I, <laughs> once I'd finished my, so I, well, I studied economics at university and, and I, I was very clear that I wanted to travel. Um, I grew up in a very, in the UK, in a very little, safe little suburban kind of environment. Um, you know, never really went anywhere or did anything. It was, it was all in a five mile radius. <laughs> And, um, and so I had, but I had it in me. I'm like, oh, I just want to get out and see the world. Like I know there's so much more. And I did that probably for about mm. four years after university. We took it to the extreme. Wow, um, four years. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, actually, one of my favorite places was Africa. I spent about eight months there. And when I got back to London, finally, um, I had no idea no idea what I what I wanted to do um yeah I'd experienced so much richness in my travels and I'd met so many incredible people Mm. um the last thing I I really wanted to do was to to get a proper job (laughs) as in as in so many of my my peers had, had gone into either investment banking or um consultancy you know and and I just knew it wasn't my thing Mm. but what was I didn't know 
And what transpired, what happened is that I ended up working over a period of, of probably seven or eight years, I would work for visionaries, for mm. entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, and it, it differed from, well, the first one was actually a, an economics consultancy. And the second one was in the whole dot-com era. That shows my age when that <laughs> and the internet came <laughs> and then and then um and then for a boutique headhunting company and then for a charity and there was a thread but that that ran through all of them which i get now and i didn't at the time and i would always be the right hand person to the visionary or the ceo mm. the founder mm. um and I never quite knew what my role was. I would always go to all the meetings with them, whether that was funding or, um, you know, strategic or whatever it was, they'd want me by their side. And I felt like a bit of a spare part. I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so I would go to these meetings and, and say very little. And then um, fast forward, well, actually after the meetings, they would then sit and, you know, unpick it, but they would also share with me what was going on for them personally. Mm. And it, it was just such a natural thing. Um, and then fast forward, I had a couple of kids and I moved out of London and I couldn't, I couldn't go back to what I was doing. And I went through a period of like very lost feeling like who the hell am I? What you know, once you've had kids, this this can happen in terms of that feeling of loss of identity, and um, and in the end, I got coaching myself um, and made a decision that I would no matter. I had no idea what it was, but my intention was very clear that I would do something that would you know, give me as much pleasure and, and excitement and what have you as how I felt when I was traveling. Mm. Didn't know what it was. And then it just happened naturally. People, as I transformed, people would come to me and say, what do you want? <laughs> I want a bit of that. Um, so it, it started very naturally. And then over the years, so I've been doing this now for 12 years. Um, no, gosh, my daughter's 14. <laughs> 14 years mm. anyway and she and um over the years I so I started with with women in my situation mm -hmm. you know high achieving women that have had kids and were trying to work out how on earth to do both mm. in a way that felt good and then as things evolved over the years and you know my kids grew <laughs> I naturally found myself drawn to working with leaders. Um, mm. it, it, there's a natural resonance there. I get it. I get the high achievement, high achiever mentality. I have it myself. Um, and yeah, it's happened incredibly organically. You know, I, I, what I understand now is that it's an, 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 partly an energetic thing. I know that when people are in my space, they calm mm -hmm. down. Do you have a very calming effect. Yeah. Yeah. I can they, see that. You know, mm -hmm. There's a lot that's going on 
you know, in the mind and you mm-hmm. know, a lot of thought, a lot of, you know, the intelligence is, is, is high, um, often A-type achievers. And, yeah, just to bring them back into that space of, of groundedness and clarity, and that's when clarity has that, you know, the, the room to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be my genius. <laughs> and then we, you know, once the mind has, has calmed down, it's then about, well, what's, what's really in alignment for people? Because that was my journey. What's my truth? What is true for me? What's I, I, am I willing um, to go on that journey of truth, not knowing what it's going to look like? And it's been amazing. It's it's given us a a life um, that's very colourful and full. Mm. You know, with the the kids, we moved to Chamonix in France to wow. to live in a ski resort for a few years because that was what felt good um and to create very much create my my work and then my husband did the same um, with his work around what would have us thrive as a family um and then our next step has been bali uh for education reasons ironically um yeah so it's always been about what is what's true for me am I willing to step into that Hmm. and it's led me on this magical journey amazing journey I saw myself so much in your story not knowing your passion and going on a discovery to discover it being the second to these visionaries and following them, but not having clarity on what it is that you're doing for them. I really, a lot of what you said, I was like, hmm, this was yeah. my journey. And then having your, your moment of clarity as to what it is that your, 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 your unique zone of genius is and that, you know, energizes you and lights you up. So I really yeah. enjoyed hearing your story. Along that journey, um, you must have faced some obstacles. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Daily. <laughs> um, absolutely. I mean, gosh, I think, well, everyone does. And I think if you are committed to playing a big game, then the challenges are inevitably going to get bigger. Mm um Hmm. so yeah so let's have a think well firstly the the the, you know that first obstacle was what it what does this look like who am Mm. i it's a fairly big question (laughs) who am i and what am i supposed to be doing in this world um and that was a real um (laughs) do you know it was triggered by my husband so we i mean we've been married nearly 20 years now i think um, and we, I remember that point when I was so frustrated and just didn't know. Mm. And I was slipping into a little bit of kind of martyr energy, dare mm. I say it. Um, it's okay for him to be able to continue, you know, what he was doing and, and be out in the world. And I had to look after the kids and blah, 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 which was not true. This was mm. in my head. 
Um, and I remember one day it, it, it blew up and, and he said to me, we were actually in, in Australia at the time, and he, he said to me, and I thought he was going to, you know, put his arm around me and say, oh, it's okay, I'll, you know, have some time out, blah, 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 I'll look after the kids. And he actually said to me, he said, Jen, he said, stop being such a bloody martyr and choose to do something. And choose to what? Choose to do something, like choose, hmm. take responsibility. And the one person that, you know, not, not the one person, but, you know, the person that, that would do anything for me and, and love me unconditionally, hmm. that was his response. And it was like, once I'd got over my, how dare you speak to me like that? <laughs> wow. There's real truth in that. In that mm-hmm. You know, I, I had slipped into that victim mindset mentality that, you know, was not having me create my life. And I'd always created life in a way that was magical. And for whatever reason, I wasn't doing that. Hmm. So that, you know, when I look back at the obstacles, the obstacles have all been in my mind. Hmm. And what it's taken has been an insight. A new thought, a new perspective a oh yeah (laughs) um so that was a pretty major one um Mm. another one i remember because the coaching industry i found very difficult to start with i'm not an extrovert i'm not someone Mm. you know not a tony robbins i'm not someone that's going to be on stage speaking to the masses and you know singing and dancing and what have you um although I love to dance, I'm not going to be doing that um, in front of a massive audience. But I was like, well, how do I, how do I do this? Mm. I don't know. Um, And again, I was, I was seeing it as, well, I either, I'm either like that or I'm not. And if I'm not like it, it seems to be the way that everyone is creating a Mm. practice. Mm. So well, I can't do it, you know? And I was, I was in that place for a little bit. And again, it took a, actually this time it was, it was a different perspective by, by seeing it, by seeing something differently through someone else. So I remember the day I, I, I was at an event and, and um, it, was, it was the last speaker and he was a coach. I'd never heard of him. And he he came onto stage onto the stage, and he said nothing for what felt like a really long time. He was just incredibly present, connected with the audience, and everyone just calmed down. I was just sat there and went, "Oh, that's what I do." <laughs> And he's modeling to me that actually this is possible. Mm. You know, sometimes you have to just see what's possible through through other people. Yes. And, and so that was a real pivotal point for me. And I actually went on to work with him and realized that I could create whatever I wanted by being 100% me. 
I'd love that. Yeah, because I'm I'm out of alignment and I'm not in my kind of authentic self, as it were. Mm -hmm. It's it's like everything stops for me. I don't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a choice. I can't do life any other way. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I can't quite see the way. Yes. And so when you see someone else that's doing it in a different way, it kind of gives permission for you to be an alternative from what you've always seen. Well, it it just took being around different people, Mm -hmm. right? I think, you know, you find your people and it's really important to find your people. If we're trying to do all this solo, that's we're, we're stuck in our perspective and and that's you know what I went on to you know when I went on to work with the, with him and I was actually part of a mastermind and it was as if I'd come home you know just to see that level of mm. kind of alignment and support and um just just people being themselves and being incredibly successful at what they were doing. And, you know, it was refusing to be anything other than that. And knowing, like really identifying what your truth was and then living it. And it's what I've always done, but for whatever reason, professionally, Mm. I came a bit of a, came to this place. I was like, well, I don't know how to do that professionally Mm. until I did. That's so amazing. I love your story. And just talking more about fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you think we often see this disconnect between, you know, what society deems as success, traditional, you know, terms success, and true, authentic, internal fulfillment? Yeah. Well, I I think we don't stand much of a chance because from the get-go we're we're society, culture, parenting, you know, this is what we're taught is to look outside of ourselves for that external validation Validation. and success. We're conditioned so young, Mm. so, so young. And it's very innocent. It's very innocent conditioning as well, you know, Mm. particularly in the, in the, in the family setting, which is, you know, an area that I'm, I'm very interested in. Um, you know, when we have children, we are, we want to provide for them. We want to create the very best we can. And then everything becomes about that and providing. And that's what gets modeled. Mm. Right. And, mm. and what we miss then is actually the creation of family, you know, the difference between having a family and creating a family, which is a very live thing that's happening every single day. And, mm. you know, as we move through those early years and then through school where it's all about qualifications and exams and, you know, that kind of competitive, like ranked against your friends, essentially. And then that continues and then you know, as we know, that continues into the adult life. And 
you know, we're never told from a very early age that, you know, our experience of life actually isn't coming from the outside. It's coming from within us. Mm. It's coming from us experiencing thought in the moment. It's like it's all coming from us. And yet we're constantly looking, you know, to be okay from the apps, you know, from external things, whether that's houses, cars, money, jobs, like certain relationships. It's like, if I have this, I will be okay. Hmm. And we all know, like, you know, I've worked with, with billionaires who really aren't okay. Hmm. Because that, that sense of inner peace, that connection, and that aliveness can't come from the outside. Can't. Mm. But the, the hopeful thing about that is that it's who we are. So we don't mm. have to get it. It's who it's we are. Yeah, it's who we are. All of us. So, not our core. How do we get to who we are? Yeah, so if you think about... Um, if you think about... Let me use an analogy here of, mm. of nature, right? Mm. So every, if you think about, I'm looking at a beautiful tree outside. So if you think about, um, you know, that tree is programmed, comes in with a program to thrive. It knows to put its roots down, um, suck up the water, it knows to grow up. Like it's, it's innate, mm -hmm. right? Thriving is innate. It's not something we have to think about. Yeah. It's within within us. There's a, an intelligence, not an intellect, but a intelligence that runs through us, through the, you know, through nature, but mm. for us too. Mm. So our natural state, our default state is to thrive. Yeah, we have everything we need in terms of resilience and, and capacity for joy and creativity and love and like, mm -hmm. this is all who we are but on top of that lies our capacity to think and that's where we get in trouble right mm -hmm. and, and again it, as we move through school and education we're taught to really become very self-reliant on on thought and it's it's incredible it's it's you know it, it's what how we create many things mm. but <laughs> we also get caught in the illusion that it's it's real right mm. that that's whatever we're thinking that identity that we create and what people think of us etc is who we are it's not who we are is this this beautiful wow. you know, energy that from which we can create and be anything and so for me, it's very much a subtractive thing. It's not about doing more to become better and more successful. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the personal development industry is about how do we, you know, it's, it's almost like how do we shine this persona, this identity yep. that we've created. Mm -hmm. right, and what I'm interested in is actually pointing people back to who they are before the identity. And then that just kind wow. of can fall away because it's made up it's a construct it's not real it's wow. thought 
Wow. So it's less about sort of changing the thoughts and the beliefs because that's really hard work <laughs> and more about actually understanding thought and how it works mm -hmm. in terms of like thought being the whole thing as in not individual thoughts and that actually thought's very transient if we leave it alone and we stop trying so hard and we create that spaciousness within us we led back to our wisdom and clarity. Hmm. But as high achievers, we are taught to go, 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 go. And it's the exact opposite. So for me, it's been, it's been a lot about um, allowing, mm -hmm. letting go, surrender, mm -hmm. truth, listening, alignment rather than trying to make myself better bigger powerful you mentioned that you come across billionaires that have everything materially but still have this hollowness do you ever come across next gens that also wrestle with this internal fulfillment yeah yeah, absolutely. Some, I mean, some of my clients are, and you know, it's a really interesting. I feel like it's there's this extra layer of pressure, <laughs> definitely, um, and expectation, definitely. Mm. That's been in my experience, and it's a lot. Mm. It's 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 a lot. So, you know, it's for you know for someone that is in the next gen to go on that journey of, of coming home, as I would call it, is hard mm -hmm. enough. <laughs> but then when you have that responsibility and expectation of continuing the legacy, mm -hmm. which is off business, um, it feels like your world is even like choices have become even smaller. Yeah. And, and yeah, like it, that near on impossible because this is if if i don't step into this mm. and be who i'm expected to be then i am letting down not just myself but my entire family mm. and it's big yeah i love your choice of words you said it feels like so it's not necessarily the truth though it's the feeling for sure and if you have what tips do you have for any next gens that are in this situation that are trying to find return to home, as you call it? Yeah. Huh. Um, well, firstly, know that, that, that family is a collection of human beings. Mm. It's a construct. Mm. It's made up, actually. I mean, it's, you know, in terms of what the rules between, you know, different mm -hmm. members of it's like that is, that's thought. <laughs> it's made up and it's, it becomes the way we live our lives. So, if, I mean, to give you a more tangible example, um, mm. I remember working with, with a client of mine and, and she, you know, because I'm not from... I'm not a next gen. I'm not from that world, which, yeah. which actually is 
you know, this was her feedback. It was, it's, it's so refreshing because I don't have to buy into the story. The next mm. gen. And when you're in the story, it's very mm. difficult to see anything else. Whereas mm. I can look in and go, hmm, no. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> doesn't, you know, but it, 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 it's your perceived reality, but it's not truth. And so when you realize that, that every member of your family is a, is a human being and actually doing the very best that they can, given what's occurring for them, mm. you start to have more compassion and understanding for, for members of the family and be, it becomes less reactive. I mean, obviously there's more to it than I, that brief sentence, but you know, what I found when I worked with NextGen is, is to really, again, coming back to truth and what's real and what's not real. Mm. And once you're coming from that place, your ability to communicate and, you know, with compassion, without reactivity and um, yeah, being in the story so much, you actually become quite a powerful member of the family mm. and and you can you can create change within your family because everyone is just doing what everyone's done before <laughs> and i think for the next you know for next gens now you know there's always an evolution of consciousness with each generation mm. and so they will be more conscious than you know, the generation before and the generation before that in terms of, you know, what they want to create in the world and, and, and their understanding of, of life and people. And that tends to get squashed because that's not how, you know, we're supposed to think. Whereas actually by stepping into that leadership role in the family can be incredibly um freeing for everyone so you know one of one of the the ceos that i worked with who was you know in family business she still had her uncle and her her father and her aunt on the on the board and you know not supposed to be active but very active and it was a very different difficult dynamic and through our work together eventually yeah she said to me will you would you consider working with my with my dad you know, I'd worked with her and her husband. She's now got a baby. And then I worked with her dad. And it was so beautiful because to have the conversation with him, we spent, he flew out to Bali and worked with me. And we spent a couple of days together. And, um, you know, he was, he was from Taiwan and he didn't, you know, his English was okay. It wasn't great. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> We've got two whole days together. What's this going to look like? And it was just the most magical experience because for him as well, he'd never been given that space mm. to speak his truth, his fears, to be vulnerable, to, to be hurt. Mm. Because the dynamic of family and business when it's tied in, it creates this this barrier to to speaking truth you know and I think the more people that can do that the better and I would imagine that as a man 
it's even creates an extra barrier to speaking yeah emotional truth getting vulnerable yeah <clears throat> I think, well, yes and my experience is because a lot of my clients are men um mm. the, there's definitely a barrier there but it can it can fall away quite quickly mm. uh, well, certainly my my experience and, and i like i said it's, it's what i've always done it's, there's something obviously about the space I hold of something I don't really know <laughs> I don't really know what I do but they will very quickly be able to let the mask just put it down mm. and the weight of that they don't realize the weight of that because it doesn't belong to you mm. you're carrying it around and even just to be able to put it down for an hour or so it's like Oh. <laughs> um, so tips there would really be to, yeah, put yourself in those spaces, like ask for help. Mm. It's okay to ask for help. Like find where you can be held and heard and also surround yourself with people that are committed to, to their growth and and their consciousness and um you know to be in that non-judgmental environment and here's the thing everyone's craving it yes everyone's craving it mm. and sometimes it's up to you to to make the first move because it gives permission to other people to do that including members of your family mm. wow Wow, so much wisdom. My last question for you, if you could turn back the hands of time, 10 years, and speak to younger Jenny, what would you tell her? I would tell her it's going to be a have a ride and you're okay. <laughs> You'll be okay. And do you know what? That's one of the, the things that comes out of my mouth most with clients is they, they can be telling me the biggest dramas and everything and often I'll just sit there and say yeah and you're okay and they're like mm. oh <laughs> and that's that's really you know we we, we are we're, we're held we're supported we and, and we're actually supported by ourselves mm. like I said that blueprint that we have mm -hmm. to thrive mm -hmm. is never turned off mm. We are extraordinary, every single one of us. The very fact that we're human beings makes us extraordinary. Mm. And so, you know, it's been a ride. We make, in the eyes of other people, perhaps slightly rash, crazy decisions about some stuff, about, oh, we'll just move country and we'll just do this and <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> you know, we, we make decisions pretty quickly that, that could really, you know, change things. Um, but I've, I've learned now, and I didn't know this 10 years ago mm. that no matter what, I'm okay, no matter what. And, and I really saw that when, when my, my mum got diagnosed a few years ago with stage four ovarian, which kind of means there's nothing mm. you can do. Mm. Um, 
And I remember thinking, gosh, it was, she had about a year, I think, maybe a year and a half. And I remember thinking, I, I, I don't know how to do life without her. We, we, she was my best friend. We were just mm. still incredibly close. And I remember going through it and two months before she died, like, I, I was in peace. just like, I just, I don't, I don't know. And then went through you know the period where where you know in the end she transitioned and I was with her and I was holding her hand and and it was just the most consciousness opening if that's a word <laughs> um, mm -hmm. experience of my life I have never seen anyone so okay as her in those few days before she died physically not okay but the ego, the thinking, the identity had left the building and what we were witnessing was this pure spirit that was with us and talking and, and it was just incredible, just total presence, total love, laughter, just, it was extraordinary. And then the day after she died, I remember getting up in the morning and I realized I was standing there brushing my teeth. So, oh, I'm okay. Life goes on. Of course you grieve and everything else, but that was one of my biggest lessons. And that sort of happened in the last 10 years. So I would really look back and say, no matter what, no matter how challenging, no matter what future scenarios we're making up in our heads, in this moment, right now, which is all we have, and is all that is real, mm. you're okay. I love that. I absolutely love that. What an amazing way to end on such a positive note amidst a very difficult year for so many people. I really, really love that. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, how best can they reach you? Um, they can reach me um, via email or LinkedIn or Facebook. So um, email would be uh, jenny at jennyhk.com, which is J-E-N-N-I-E, -N -N -E, not Y, <laughs> um, at jennyhk.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, which is Jenny Harland Khan, um, or Facebook. And my website, I mean, my I, I have a website, and I want to confess that I haven't updated it for a few years, but <laughs> there is a website, which is jennyhk.com. Um, and, you know, the way in which, you know, if people wanted to get in touch, the way in which I operate is just build a relationship mm. conversations there's no obligation for anything i'm forever just spending time with people seeing where they're at seeing if there's anything i can do to support and mm. just let things unfold naturally incredible thank you so much jenny i've really enjoyed this 
very meaty time with you. I feel like <laughs> I've learned so much. <laughs> Thank you for it's having been, me. Yeah, it's yeah. been really good fun. Awesome. Lots there, right? Lots to reflect on and mull over. I loved Jenny's piece on the distinction between creating versus having. Never, ever come across that. And the distinction between being versus doing. Unfortunately, we live in a culture that glorifies and glamorizes doing. And unfortunately, has mistaken doing for being. So a lot of us, our identities are really tied to and defined by what we achieve and what we do and how we're doing things. And it's led us down this path of just hustling for achievement, hustling for um, accolades, and we measure our self-worth by the things that we do and the things that we achieve. But I often say that we were, we're human beings, we're not human doings. <laughs> So what we do flows from who we are, and it's really a call back to who are you, right? There's a value in just being. So I'd really encourage you during this quieter times. I know we're in a very unusual season. Normally, you know, the Christmas and New Year holidays would be very different from how it is in 2020, but just to carve out time to explore who am I? What am I really about? What are my values? What really will fulfill me? And then how can I ensure that um, my actions, things that I do, the things that I invest my time, my energy, my money into are in alignment with who I am? Thank you so much. I wish you a merry, merry Christmas. Enjoy your time and a blessed new year. Take care.